I don't know if you know this, but I was a, uh, a youth pastor for profession, professionally, I hate to say that word, but I, I, I was full-time youth pastor. I actually got paid to do the job for 10 years, and I was blessed to do that. But I'd also done youth ministry before that for a good four years, about five years. So about 15 years I did youth ministry. And, um, and you know, when I went into that, I had a... Um, I was scared. Let's just put it, be honest. I was scared to death. I love kids, but I was scared. And every time that God showed me something in that ministry, I mean, it was like my vision grew because God was showing me things and I was excited and there was good stuff that was happening and we just, we had an amazing opportunity to go into schools and um, at one point by the end I was in two junior highs um, twice a month and I was in one high school uh, twice a month and, and we were just you know, having concerts for Jesus and just having a great time, just youth ministry. And let me just say, I was good at it, okay? And I don't mean that to be proud or anything. I'm just saying, I mean, when you do something for 15 years, you, 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 it becomes like something you just, it's a part of you. You know what I mean? Um, now, I wish that was the same thing with marriage. I've been married for 15 years, and I, every year, just I seem to be getting dumber. You know, I don't know what it is. So, <laughs> husbands out there, I, I hear you. Um, <laughs> But you know what? I mean, when it comes down to it, I, I had my sweet spot. I was called by the Lord to do what I was doing, and it was awesome. And then, for some crazy reason, I felt God, two years into the last 15 years, saying, and now look to do something completely different. And I was like, no. <laughs> some of you have been there. This is what I know. This is what I do. I've been, I felt called to this. And it wasn't a divine, you know, or like, like a, like a discontentment, um, from, from my, from my heart or just a discontentment in, in my own flesh and just my own self. It was like a divine discontentment, if that makes sense. Almost like I felt God saying, you need to just, you need to look out to something new that I'm going to do in your life and a new vision, a new purpose and a new plan. And just like God, he doesn't tell me what it is. <laughs> Ever been there? And, I'm, and he's just like, go. And I'm like, but I don't know what to do. And he's like, don't worry, I've got you. I'll put it into plan and purpose and function once you get moving and everything else. And me, I like to have all my ducks in a row. I don't know if you're the same way as me. I just like to do that. I, I like to be ready. I mean, I'm, not ex I'm a pretty spontaneous guy. You know, I am. I'm pretty spontaneous. I drive Jason crazy because he wants to make sure everything's planned and I love to have a plan. One of my favorite characters was on the A-team and he had this great phrase and his name was Hannibal and he would say, I love it when a plan comes together. And I love that. I don't always work that way, but I love it. And when it comes to my life though, as I have six people, including myself, that I take care of, you know, that I, I said, Lord, you've got you've, you've to lead me into a place where I, I know what I'm doing a little bit. And he just kept saying, we got you, we got you, don't worry about it. I got a plan. And unbeknownst to me, this church here in Redlands was looking for another um, just pastor to stay in the long haul and to do some awesome stuff here. And the Lord showed us this place through uh, our denomination and through the district. And they said, have you thought about Redlands? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> And I didn't mean that in a bad way. I just, I never thought about Redlands. Um, so, you know, and, 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 but man, I just came here and I saw what God was doing. And I wish I could say that instantly as I walked in the door, God said, here's everything. And that didn't happen again. So it was like, okay, Lord, I know that you're calling us here. 
I know that you've got something here, but I still don't know exactly what it is. And so over the course, oh, and this is the weird thing. I, I, I got a phone number. I got a, a, an office. You know, I, I got my name on the bulletin. And still I was like, okay, Lord, what do we do? <laughs> you know? Have you ever been there? Um, so anyway, I just remember I just got on my knees. I really, I, that's all you can do. Because when you're really trusting in the Lord, and not like I do it all the time, please don't put me on a pedestal. I don't trust the Lord all the time. That's half the reason I get up here and preach is to myself. I need to, do, I need to trust in the Lord as much as possible, and I don't always do it. And so here I was with my family saying, Lord, we know we're here, but I really want your vision. Because I can't vision cast if I have no idea what's before us or what you have for us. And I love to cast vision. I love to preach about what God wants to do and what God is going to do. And I just remember sitting there saying, I need, Lord, you to tell us. I need this. I want a passion for this place. I want a purpose to put into place. And I just remember God hooked us up with some people in the church and the staff and the core teams. And we just started getting together and started hashing this out. And it was awesome. Because really what we were doing was saying, we all want the same thing. We all want the same thing. We want to see God's purpose in this place. We want to see God's church really reach out to people who are in need. We don't want to just create a place where we're, we're kind of like a, a country club, where people just come and get pampered and then leave and feeling really good because their nails look really nice or they've got a really nice massage, you know? We want this place to be a mash hospital that's right on the front lines. That's patching up those that God brings in, the wounded and the broken, to a place where they can now turn around and be a minister to those around who are also getting bruised and broken. Does that make sense? And so that's what this is all about. What we're looking at, I'm so excited to be a part of this church because I don't know if you know this, I'm figuring this out over time. This place has a long heritage. This place has an awesome heritage. Years, decades, decades, almost a century of time just doing ministry and reaching out to the lost and to people who are broken and hurting. And I'm just so blessed to be a part of it. And I'm so blessed to see that God is going to do some things because He wants to change the world around us. He wants to change the world around us. And this is the truth. And I hope you believe it because the more you see God's vision in your life, the more you see it working through your life, the more you will see the change that happens in life. Do you get what I'm saying? This is God's truth in us. And so I'm excited. I don't know if you can tell. But I'm excited. So I want you guys, let's stand up and I want to read you our core verse. It's not only our core verse for our denomination, but it's our core verse for this church. And I love this verse because A, you won't have to stand up very long. It's short. (laughs) Everybody can memorize this verse. Um, But it's awesome. Because in this verse, what we see is Jesus and he's, he's told his disciples, by the way, I'm leaving. And they're like, what? Why are you leaving? You just got back. (laughs) This is amazing. You're here. And he's like, I'm leaving. And they're like, what? I mean, I don't know if you felt this way, but it's like, God, you're leaving. What am I supposed to do? They felt this way. What are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? We're just ordinary people. What are we supposed to do? 
And I love what Jesus says here. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, let's follow along here. This is, I love what God says. He says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth, all authority, the same authority and power that raised him from the dead, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. All right, you may be seated. I love this passage, and anybody named Shirley loves it too, because he's with them. No, it's a different Shirley. Different Shirley. Like I said, Jesus is, is going. He not only descended, He ascended. And that's what we praise, the living, risen King. As He descended to do the ministry and start the church, that's the great mysterious, mysterious truth that God left in the hands of these rather ordinary Jewish men. <laughs> these disciples. 120 disciples about that time. Men, women... Young ones, crazy. And he says, I'm leaving, but all authority has been given to me under heaven. Now go, and I'm with you always through the end of the age. I'm with you. This is awesome. This is the key word that I think we need to understand. This is the key truth of who we are as Christians. We know that God is with us. This is why we are called Christians, literally followers of Jesus. Jesus physically isn't here, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, He lives through us and He can affect us as a church to reach out into this world, into this community, and do something that we could never do on our own. Never. And this blows me away. And he gives us this power. But how we respond, and let me just say this, and what we get from this passage, and what I want to show you very quickly in the next 30 minutes, is how we respond and who we are really is determinant on who he is and how he responds. Are you with me? Let me say that again. How we respond and who we are is really determinant on who he is and how he responded. That's what it comes down to. And so... With that, God is. I, I, don't you love how the beginning of, the, of Genesis starts in the Bible? In the beginning, God did this. It never says, you know, if I was writing it, I would say, okay, now let me explain why God exists, why he's... No, he doesn't, he doesn't say that. He just does. He just is. And he just goes. And I love it. And so what we have is we have this God that we are asked to be a part of in this amazing community. See, God in his essence is a community. God in his essence is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. See, back in the day, the theologians were trying to understand this, and what they came down with is this idea of a dance. If you were to put it, the best way to understand the Trinity is a dance. The God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They called it the divine dance. Periochoresis is what they call it. Periochoresis. From the two Greek words peri, which means around, and chorea, which means dance. You see, periochoresis, I'm going to read this really quick, some theology here for you, is 
A theological term referring to the mutual indwelling and intersecting of the three persons to the Godhead equally. Expressing ultimate intimacy between the three persons of the Godhead in one being. The profound union of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that has gone on since eternity past goes on now and forever. This communal divine dance where they are known and will be known continually, perfectly, awesomely for the end of time. Perfect harmony, perfect love, something we can't comprehend. This level of completeness, this level of truth is so hard for us to grasp. Now we have a taste of it because we are created in God's image. Again, this is why it's important to know who God is, to really know who we are. And see, I guess the easiest way to explain this is a country song by Kenny Chesney. Now bear with me. I'm not a huge country, country fan. I love the country. But I, I'm not a, you know, I can appreciate good country. And Jason's trying to help me to find good country. Okay? And I, and I appreciate that. Because he really knows his stuff. And so I'm like, oh, this is good country. But there's this one song that no matter how many times I listen to it, I'm always in tears. Is that you? I don't know. I'm a very sensitive guy, all right? I just, I, I, I cry, you know? Of course, when I cry, I have daggers in my hands and things like that, so I'm tough, okay? But, but it's this song, let me just preface it this way. When I was 22 years old, God deemed it fit to give me a little girl. I don't know why. I was a 22-year-old madman. <laughs> Barely married. Six months into our marriage, we found out we were pregnant. Yay! There goes the honeymoon. So, and I don't regret anything. Please understand. But I'm 22. I have six jobs. Yes, six. I have, uh, I'm going to school full time. I mean, you name it. I'm busy. My wife is busy. And God says, here's a kid. Now, I don't know if you were like me, but it wasn't in our plans to have a kid that quick. We just weren't, I mean, we are so blessed. But in our plans, we were like, what? Okay. And, and I just remember hearing this song by Kenny Chesney. It always gets me. But it's a young dad that has a kid. And in the beginning of the song, it's his attitude at the beginning of her life. And then by the end of the song, it's his attitude at the end of when she's leaving. And it just rocks me. And it goes like this in the, in the chorus. He sings in the beginning when she's born. There goes my life. There goes my future. My everything. Might as well kiss it all goodbye. There goes my life. And, and, and not like I sat there and really moaned that, but, you know, those feelings of, man, no more real late nights of just sitting and watching TV. It's late nights of changing diapers. <laughs> no more just having all the stuff that I, that, that's for us. I have to now, it's really us. And if you could put it back to the original analogy, our dance cart's getting full. And I see this. The song continues. We see his daughter growing up and eventually moving out. And the final chorus, he brilliantly ties it together. He says, there goes my life. There goes my future. My everything. I love you. (laughs) See what I mean? (laughs) Baby goodbye. Oh, it gets me. Every time. I hear this song and I'm like, I can come in. And I've got tears in my eyes and my kids go, were you listening to that song? (laughs) i got to take it out of my playlist. But see, that connection that I have with my kids, and especially, you know, with with, with Emily as she was born. I mean, I've told her, I said, we're going to dance to this in the father-bride dance when you get married. We are. 
Because if you want to see me a blubbering idiot, you will see it when we dance to this song. <laughs> and I, have, I share that, that communion, that community with my daughter. But it'll never be, it'll never be that communion and that community that God the Father shares in the divine dance. You see, I can't look into her as God can look into me. And this is where we, where we, it just pales in comparison to the truth of who God is and that divinity that he says, I want you to be a part of this. This is what blows me away. This is what blows me away about the divine dance. He doesn't just say, I am here, you are there, good luck. He says, I have created you, man, woman, in my image to dance with us. To be a part of the divine community. To be a part of this ultimate love, this ultimate intimacy, this ultimate truth. John very simply points this out in the book of of John, 1 John. He says, we love because God first loved us. We can dance love at any simple point, like I will dance with my daughter, because God first asked us to dance with him. This is God's movement. You see, God has always desired to connect us with himself. He has always desired to connect us with himself. By the way, we share in this divine dance. We are the only creature in all of creation that dances with God in this divine dance. Even the angels are jealous to some extent of our dancing with God. They do not allow that. There is no redemption for the angels. And they are messengers to bring this truth of the divine dance to us, his creatures. To say, be a part of my community. But see, the thing about God desiring to connect us with himself, it has to preclude the disconnection. We've decided to break that connection with God in the Garden of Eden so long ago. You see, he created us, he walked with us and with Adam and Eve. And I used to be one of those guys that said, I wouldn't have done like Adam, what an idiot. Man, he had perfection, perfect Garden of Eden. Yes, I would have. I would have been stupid too. And please, let me just say... I think you all would have been stupid too. And I don't mean that to be cruel. I just mean that to mean we're human beings. And God knew that. And we have always desired for some weird reason to dance alone. We've always desired to do it without God. To dance this dance of true intimacy, true things without God. And this is what we've come to. We've come to this place where God, as the great Father who said, let us dance. And we said, no, I want to dance with success. I want to dance with pleasure. I want to dance with addiction. I want to dance with relationships. I want to dance with all these things that will never fully fulfill what the dance was created to be in God the Father, the eternal dance partner. And this is the truth. This is the truth that's so hard for me to get. And I had to come to as a point where I tried to dance alone. Dancing with myself. So I sink another drink. You know what I'm saying? The 80s song? I'll just dance with myself. But that's the truth, isn't it? We were created to dance with God. This is what sin is. Anything that keeps us from the connection with God. Anything that keeps us from truly dancing with Him is sin. 
And so throughout Scripture, we see God from the book of Genesis on sending His people, sending His prophets, sending His word, sending all these things, saying, I desire to dance with you. I desire to be connected with you. I want you back. I want you back. And some of the craziest things that you'll ever read is that God is a divorcee from the children of Israel because they desired to not dance with Him and dance alone. And God moans over this. God weeps over this because He wants to be connected. God wants to be connected with us. This is the amazing thing about Jesus when He finally comes to earth as a man. He forever takes upon the form of a servant, as it says in the book of Philippians, becoming flesh, giving up a part to some extent of that community to be a part of us and bring us into fully that community that we could never be apart from Christ. He becomes the ultimate connecting point, the ultimate link to us and the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. John 17 shows this brilliantly. I love John 17 because Jesus is praying. Who's he praying for? You. He's praying for me. I love it. And he says this, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Do you see this dance? Do you see this connection? For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to eternal life, to know you. Eternal life is dancing with God. And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory that we shared before the world began. Do you get this connection? I hope you do. If you've never been connected to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, it's always now. The choice is always now. Don't continue to dance alone. Be connected. This is awesome. God has always desired, secondly, to grow in us as well. He's always desired to grow in us. You see, if He's connected to us, and then that growth just kind of comes out. And I I think the easiest way to understand this is Jesus' alliteration in John 15, just two chapters before. Jesus is talking about, I am the vine. I am the true vine. My father-in-law is a gardener. And he's a really good gardener. I kind of desire it. Like when I grow up, I want to be like him. Because he's a really good gardener. And I love to garden. In fact, one of the coolest things I'm, I want to do when I live closer to the church is, is unless someone else will take it, because I don't want to take it from somebody. I do enough stuff. But believe me, I'm privileged to just kind of garden around the church. I want to do that because I love to garden. Um, and my, my father-in-law has this grapevine in his backyard. And it's like 60 years old. Now, I know there's grapevines that are a lot older than that. But to me, this is the oldest grapevine I've ever seen. And the trunk of that grapevine is like that thick. And it's awesome. And it's gnarly. And it's just, you could tell it pulses with good juice. It pulses with life. And every year, he gets the most amazing champagne grapes. And, and it's like, oh, Chuck, I want, I want that grapevine. <laughs> I want that grapevine. And this is what we see in this alliteration of John 15. He says, yes, Jesus is this. In verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. You see, when you're connected to that pulsing, juice-filled Jesus, 
I know that's a weird analogy. (laughs) But it's true. I love the book of Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. He says, let your roots grow deep into Jesus. Because you can go eternally. Your roots can never run out of space. I'm kind of a ridiculous gardener because when I do things, I like to do things big. I don't just make a little garden. My wife says, you go overboard every time. And everybody who's ever seen my gardens is like, how did you do this? It's just, I just go overboard. But you know what? There's never enough space. And you talk to musicians, there's never enough room on the stage. And you talk to married people, there's never enough love. There's never enough respect. And there's never enough this, and there's never enough that, and there's never enough this. Let me tell you, there's always enough in Jesus. Because we can grow deep. And those who remain in me and I in them will to produce much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. You see, when we're connected to that root, when we're connected to the eternal King, we grow. Because God does not just desire connection, He desires growth. He desires growth. And when you see it all the way through the New Testament and all the times that Paul is talking to Christians or Jesus in the book of Revelations, he says, I desire that we would grow in you, that the Lord would be a part of you and not just that you sit there and get fat and not do what God has called you to do spiritually. And that's the thing that Paul illuminates with a lot of people and a lot of Christians. He says it's like you're still drinking milk like a big baby that's sad. It's kind of like that Saturday Night Live sketch where Will Ferrell comes out as a baby. I know it's creepy. It always scares me because he's bearded and he's like, oh, it was hot in there. You know, and he comes out as this baby and it's like, oh. And everybody's like, oh my gosh. But how many Christians, they're still, they still think they have the gift of buttocks. And they sit. And they sit. And they sit. You see, God desires to grow in us. This is the new humanity that Jesus talks about, that Paul illuminates, the new creation, the more than conquerors, no longer dancing solo, now connected and growing in knowledge and real intimacy. See, growth is into me, you see. We allow God to go into every pore, every crevice, every area, and it's scary. Can I just say, I've been frightened. People say following Jesus is boring. They've never actually let God just peer into their inner depths and go when He says go. Being connected to Jesus means we have the power from the vine to grow. But if we separate our day or our family life or our work life or our relationship life, our financial life, then we will not be connected to Jesus, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, and things will be cut in our life by the Father, our gardener. Sometimes we can grow, and it's just green. Sometimes there's good things in our life, and God comes along and says, I know that's good, and you look really green, but I desire fruit. And some of the hardest part of gardening and growth in Christ, and I'll tell you right now as a gardener, is chopping away all that green stuff that looks so good, but you know there's no fruit there. And the more you hack away at that, the more the fruit that will be there gets bigger. I was talking to a really good gardener the other day, 
and I have an apple tree. And he said, you want to know how to get the best apples? Now I have over 2,000 apple blossoms on my apple tree. He said, pluck pluck off one apple blossom every other one. You just, one take off, the other one leave, take off, the other one, so you only have 1,000. It doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) I want 2,000 apples. No, but you want those apples to all be good, don't you? You want that tree to grow. You want that tree to produce. And you've got to take away sometimes things that look good. And that's what God does in our life. That's the growth that only the Father has that time. Because you know what I said to that gardener? I said, who's got the time to do that? (laughs) I'm busy. God's not too busy. He wants us to grow. Which brings us to that final step. God's desire to serve you. This almost seems offensive to me. Don't feel bad if it's offensive to you because it was offensive to Peter. (laughs) When Jesus got down and took off his outer garments and started to wash Peter's feet because he desired to serve and he came to serve, Peter says, no, I should be serving you. And Jesus says, you don't understand. Unless you allow me to serve you, you've got no part of me. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. I love it. God wants to serve you. Jesus Christ came so that we might have a Savior, a suffering servant. He forever will bear the scars. Forever. We'll get to heaven and he'll still have a hole in his hand and we can put our fingers through it. Because He wants you and I to know that He served us. And He did it in great joy, as it says in the book of Hebrews. Great joy. Who's the joy? You and me. Jesus forever did that. How would anger towards this God to people out there, people, I hear it all the time, they're cursing God's name, and I've met so many people, and I myself have done it. And, and, and been at that point where, God, how could you? And why is this? And this and this anger. And, and just... And I think, man, if we really knew how Jesus died to serve us, that that anger would melt away. That God desires to dance with us, that anger would melt away. When we truly know this God, who gave everything to serve us, that desires deeply to grow in us and wants to connect with us, it should lead us to a response. Again, if we know this God, we see this God move, then that should lead us to what we are and what we do. And this is our response. He says, go. All of me will be with us as we go with them. Then God wants to live out these same truths to the end of the earth within us. You see, if God has always desired to connect us with himself, then what follows for our church is simple. This is the the simple aspects, and we're going to be looking at this for a good six to seven weeks. These are the three aspects that our church is about. It's simple. Because I'll tell you, when we sat here, I did not want something complicated and convoluted. The last thing the Bible is, is complicated. No, let me me restate that. The Bible is pretty complicated. (laughs) Salvation. And the love of God and what He wants to do in us and through us should be simple. Because anybody should be able to understand it. God reaches all. I don't care who you are. In fact, Paul talks about that. He says, hey, look at, you, look at the crowd in, amongst you. Look at the believers amongst you. You guys aren't something special. <laughs> you're, not something, you're not the brightest. 
You're not the richest. You're not the ones that are like, wow, but God called you and he's doing something in you to show and shine the true brightness of God. And so we thank the Lord that we're not much because he is much greater. And so he wants to do something within us. If God has always desired to connect us with himself, then what follows for our church is simple. It's our mission to connect with the community. See, if God wants to connect with us, then it's our mission to connect with the community. Amen? Because, see, we should be about connecting with God and then connecting with others. If we look up first and we are transformed inside, then we go from outside of ourselves. This is the truth of the gospel. As God went out in his love, we too are to go out and connect in our love. In the love that he's given us. This divine dance that God connects us to should show in every way that others say, I want to dance. I want to be a part of that. And it's invitive. It's inclusive. It's never exclusive. And what you see throughout history, when you see black marks and black spots upon that of Christianity, you see an exclusive Christianity. You see a Christianity bound by rules and regulations that Jesus never was a part of. You need to be this race. You need to be here. You need to be there if God's going to love you. No, that's a, that's a pile of poo. I'm sorry, but it's true. Because God connects with us. And he wants us to connect with our community. Secondly, if God has always desired to grow in us, then our mission as a church is simple. It's our mission to grow in faith and to connect those to grow to Jesus. The, the, the mission desires to see you grow. This is our value. This is our truth. This is what we're going to push until I'm sick of it and I'm going to keep saying it. It's the simple truth of growth. Our hope is that every member is a part of this. Sunday morning is great, but can I say, when we tap into that root in a group, in a small group, there's something more. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't those few guys that said, you need to take more of the root. And they beat me up in a good way. <laughs> they, were, they held me accountable. And they loved me. And they were a part of my life in such a way that I wouldn't be here today. And I've talked with many Christians who say, yes, the church is great and I love Sunday morning. But you know where I really found growth in Jesus? It's through my time with my brother or my sister. Once a week. And he poured into me. Or she poured. And there was this truth that God was showing me through his son Jesus as I was connected to that vine. In growth. It's our vision to see every member of the mission growing in a group. We don't dance solo. We are in a community with God. And we are called to journey with Jesus together. True growth is in Christ's community. So lastly, if God desires to serve us, then it is our, our hope as a, as a church. It's our mission to serve Jesus. As each member of the Trinity serves and as Jesus served, now we are freed to serve Him. Let me just say this. It's not a deal where we serve to get. That's religion. We do not serve to get. We serve Jesus to give. That's relationship. You see, with my wife, I don't have a checklist that I say, I've served her this much today, now she owes me this much. That's horrible. <laughs> My wife is not a paycheck emotionally. She shouldn't be. She should never be. But when we approach a relationship and we make it about that, that's a recipe for disaster. 
Now, many people approach Jesus as a religion that if I do this, then I will get that. How much more do I need to do to get God's love? And they miss the point of relationship in Christianity with Jesus, which is uh, he's done it all and he beckons me to dance with him. And out of my joy, out of the love that he has shared with me, I give back. Not because I have to. This is why God says, I don't want your money. I have the money of a cattle of a thousand hills. But I desire a cheerful giver. I desire somebody who is a part of me, dancing with me. And if what you have, I've called you to do, you do. Because of our relationship, then that is what it's all about. We don't have the law anymore. We have the love of Christ. And it's that relationship. The scary part of this is Matthew 25. You see, if we're in a relationship with Jesus, he says, by the way... You did this for me. And it's funny because the believers of Jesus in Matthew 25 and the sheep and the goats in the parable say, when did we give you food? When did we give you water? When did we visit you in prison? When did we do all these things for you? You know, and they're just kind of like dumbfounded because they're like, they're like, I know I served someone the other day, but I don't remember seeing you, Jesus. And Jesus says, whenever you've done this for the least of these, you've done this to me. You've served me. Because it wasn't, you didn't do this because you had to get, you did this because you love me. It was a relationship. It wasn't a regulation. All people, if we love Jesus, we serve Him. This is why we reach out to the poor. This is why we reach out to the oppressed. This is why we reach out to the orphan. This is why we reach out to the widow, the prisoner, the single mom, the alcoholic, the addicted, the gangbanger, the lost, the pedophile. I don't care who it is. They're all deserving of God's grace. All deserving of God's grace. God calls us to be connected. God calls us to grow. And then He calls us to serve because that's what He did with us. So the mission is committed to making disciples for the kingdom of God by connecting with the community, growing in faith, and serving Jesus because every member is a minister. You are ministers. And if I could right now, I'd stand you all up and I'd ordain you. I would. In fact, we might do that. One of these days, maybe at the end of this, we're, you're going to be ordained. Now, as lay ministers, I can't give you a paycheck. I can barely get a paycheck. But that's okay. I don't do ministry for the money. I know some people do and they're usually on TV. But that's another story. Now, I'm sorry, I don't mean to... But the truth is every member is a minister and I want you to know that you are so vital. And there is a world out there. There's a world right out that door. We have the privilege to host AA here. Really soon. And there's going to be 20, 30 people coming in this door that are hurting and have danced with addiction. Amen to that. Because they, just like me, are at the end of their rope at one time in their life. But you know, when we're on the bottom, the only place to look is up. And God is reaching out His hand from the earth, not from way up on high, but from the earth, in the feet and the hands of Jesus. And we want to be a part of that. There's no plan A. Or plan B. Sorry. Like, what happened to plan A? There's no plan B. Jesus was it. And then he goes away and says, now you're it. You're it. We need you. My hope is that if you make this church your home, maybe you're new here. Maybe God is saying... To you, be a part of God's community. We're hoping that this would be your community. Now, the last thing we want to do is just draw in a bunch of Christians. I love Christians. But I love 
those that are broken and bleeding and hurting more because I feel more of a physician like Jesus came to be than, than a country club decor- or di- director. I, I want to be someone that is on the ground like Jesus was with people that are just like me. And my hope for you is that that's what we come to. And so I want to encourage you. We're going to have a potluck. Hey, as the Baptists call it, pot, pot grace. Because <laughs> we don't believe in luck. All right? So I, my food, that's all that matters. Some of you are here just for that. And I'm, I'm too. I'm re- who's here just for the food? Yeah, I need to shut up now. Because seriously, we need to eat soon. But you know what? We've got food. We've got goodness. And we're going to unveil a vision that my prayer is everybody will jump to holding up God's vision. We need you. We need you to be the army that God's calling you to be, to reach out to this world out there. Because there are people in homes that are hurting. There are single moms that are crying out right now. I come from a single mom home. And there were many times that I said, God, do you care? And I want to see hands and feet of the mission saying, we care. There are widows. There are old folks. There are people in pain. There are addicted. There are people that need to see that Jesus wants to connect, wants to grow, and wants to serve them. Amen? So I pray that you stick around. It's not going to be long. Lots of food. And please be a part of what God wants to do in this church and through this church as Jesus moves. Lord, we thank you. It's a good time for me to to shut up. (laughs) I am so excited about what you want to do here. I'm so excited about the disciples that you are creating in our midst. I cannot wait to when I can have people up here and I can sit back and I can say, Lord, bless them, move in them. We're going to need so many people. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But I look out and I see a worker and a minister in every person. I don't care if they're 6th grade or they're 60. I don't care. Because I know you've called them to be the minister that they are. Lord, we love you and we thank you. May our response be our life back to you, as Paul said, as a living sacrifice in Romans chapter 12. And may our life be perfect and pleasing as your will is in response to the ministry of reconciliation, connection, growth, and service that you've called us to. We love you and we thank you. I'm going to bless the food right now because I'm hungry. (laughs) And I know it's going to be good. But what's even better is what you put on the table. And you say, come and eat. Those who have no money. And I will wash your sins. And you'll be as clean and fresh as a new fallen snow. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.